0: But if that's all that's going on here, then we have a question that we have to grapple with and that is, why didn't the disciples go straight back to their old lives, back to their boats, right away after the death and resurrection of Jesus? Because that's not where we find them, remember? start by just backing up a little bit in the book of Acts. We get these action-packed, dramatic readings uh, during these Sundays of of Easter. Um, The young church is growing, and there is a need uh, for adding some new leaders, and out of these uh, new young leaders is one named Stephen. He is a good young proclaimer of the gospel, and he's out there in the public realm doing just that uh, and this is what we find. At this they covered their ears, and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him, dragged him out of the city, and began to stone him. That's stone Stephen. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against Them. When he had said this, he fell asleep, and Saul approved of their killing him. So Saul stood by and watched their coats for them while they violently threw stones at Stephen to end his life. Saul, who would go on to help establish the early church and write most of what we know as our New Testament scriptures. He kept an eye on their coats while they put Stephen to death. And then he nodded his approval. So how could there be any way back for someone like this? Today we get what is generally referred to as the conversion of, of Saul. And I think it helps for us to just back up a little bit there uh, to get a deeper understanding of what it is that Saul is converted from. By the beginning of Acts chapter 9, where Carol read for us today, Saul was still out there to get those who were like Stephen uh, trying to follow Jesus. At the time, they called such people those who belonged to the way. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And I have to believe at this time that the people of the way, those early followers of Jesus, could not imagine any sort of redemption for this one called Saul. But then something happened. Last week during one of our Ask the Pastors sessions, I can't remember if it was at... Uh, this 1030 service or at the early service, but one of our kids actually asked the question, what if Jesus had not been raised from the dead? These post-Easter appearances give us a glimpse of how the first followers of Jesus struggled to understand how Easter changes everything. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light fell from heaven flashed around him he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him Saul Saul why do you persecute me he asked who are you lord the reply came i am jesus whom you are persecuting but get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do so mighty saul is helped up out of the dirt and he opens his eyes and he's trying to look around and he realizes that he has in fact been struck blind but even though he cannot see with his eyes For the first time, Saul can see the way. Jesus has gotten through to him. But even though Saul has been changed, his reputation hasn't changed out there, uh, especially among the followers of Jesus. Maybe you've known somebody along the way who was at one time rebellious or dishonest or, or violent or just plain mean and later came to faith and turned their life around. It can be difficult to see somebody in a new light. It's tough to believe sometimes that people change or can be changed. So when another follower of the way, one called Ananias, uh, who's just minding his own business, is tapped on the shoulder by God to get involved, he thinks, Saul is blind, the Saul, the guy who was happy when my brother in Christ, Stephen, was stoned to death. That Saul is blind. You got him, Lord. Great. Wait. You want me to do what? But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here, he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who invoke your name. So Saul can have people uh, chained up for even saying the name of Jesus, Ananias is pointing out. But God gives him a job to do, that's Ananias, and even though Ananias doesn't quite see the wisdom in it, even though the job seems more than a little bit dangerous, uh, Ananias goes. And the next thing we know, Saul can see again, and he's getting baptized. You see, Easter changes everything. It's about new beginnings, it's about resurrection, about life overcoming death, about redemption, about faith overcoming unbelief. Last week we saw the disciples locked away. They were guilty and ashamed and fearful, and they should have been. And again, quite uninvited, Jesus shows up and says, My peace I give to you as the Father has sent me, so I now send you. Breathes new life into them in the same way that God breathed life into Adam. But that was so last week, huh? Where do we find the disciples this week? Well, did they muster up the courage to leave that locked house? Yes, they, they seem to have done that. But it doesn't look like they've mustered up the faith to get out there and start building the church, the community of faith in Christ. And maybe that's what we're learning on this Sunday of Easter. That faith is not something that can be mustered. Faith is something given, bestowed by a generous and gracious God. Sometimes faith arrives in spite of ourselves. I sometimes wonder if too much of the Christian church isn't out there yelling that faith is a requirement. You must believe. You better believe. Or else. Maybe I'm missing something in this story that we read today from Acts, but it doesn't look to me like that fire-breathing, Bible-thumping version of Saul is out there inviting Jesus into his heart or anywhere else for that matter when he is knocked on his can, into the dirt, and struck blind by the Lord. Also, Ananias wanted nothing to do with his part in reaching out to Saul. Oh, and by the way, Jesus does not show up uh, politely tapping at the door of the home where the disciples have locked themselves away in fear. He breaks in and appears among them. And they're not sitting around reading the small catechism or teaching Bible studies or out on the street corner proclaiming the kingdom of God when Jesus catches up with them in today's reading. They've gone back fishing, and they're not even doing that very well. Fished all day, fished all throughout the night, and haven't caught a thing. And let me tell you, the disciples are again taking a worldwide scolding for this fishing trip this morning. Just about everywhere... Uh, where pastors are considering this passage, uh, some version of this is going on. Just look at them uh, everyone 's saying they think they can just go back to their old lives, uh, back to the old ways of doing things before they ever met Jesus, back to business as usual, even after being in the presence of the risen Christ, as if Easter never happened. what What if Jesus had not been raised from the dead are you? young person asked last week. And of course, the obvious preaching pivot from here is to point out how we do the same, right? We so often go about our lives as if Easter has not changed much of anything. And there's plenty of fertile ground there to be considered. But but if that's all that's going on here, then we have a question that we have to grapple with. And that is, why didn't the disciples go straight back to their old lives, back to their boats, Right away after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because that's not where we find them, remember? That's not what happened. They were too ashamed and they were too afraid and they were locked away in some room somewhere with the blinds drawn and the doors locked. They ran and hid, remember? They were scared to death, remember? But the risen Christ tracked them down and found them in that locked room, remember? And breathed life into them, remember? So what's really going on here? Because nothing has changed outside of the house, right? It's still dangerous to be found out, to be a follower of the way, to be a follower of this one that people are saying is a, is a, is a king. Dead or not dead. It's still dangerous outside of the house, but something has certainly changed inside of the disciples. Nothing outside the house. So they look around at each other after this encounter with the risen Christ and ask themselves, what should we do now? Well, they were fishermen, most of them. That's who they were their whole lives. So how are we going to take this new resurrection freedom out for a spin, right? This new inner peace given to us by Jesus. My peace I give to you. This new courage. Peter says, I don't know about you guys, but I'm going fishing. And in my imagination, I see all their heads raise up a bit. And they begin to nod slowly. And in my imagination, I see tears welling up in their eyes. Damn right, Peter. That's what we'll do. We'll go fishing. Let's go home. Let's go back to the village. Let's go back to the boats. Let's go fishing in broad daylight as disciples of the risen Christ. Dangerous, though that will be. And that is, in fact, where Jesus finds them in our reading today. Natalia was talking a couple weeks before Easter about how smells can sometimes connect us to important places or even people from our past. I think if we look, we can see this scene before us. You can hear the waves lapping up against the old wooden boat as it slowly makes its way back to the shore. Jesus is standing there. You can smell the sea. You can smell the charcoal fire with fish sizzling in the pan. There was nothing better than that back then. I submit to you, there is nothing better than that now. This is how the Easter story begins to wrap up. No no. Mighty risen Lord of Vengeance, no climactic battle scene, no victory parade, just a shore lunch. (laughs) Breakfast. Most of you have probably heard that Christian author and inspirational speaker Rachel Held Evans died yesterday at the young age of 37. Her writings and her speakings uh, have been a blessing have been so filled with grace, they just have poured from her heart and have brought life to so many millions of people. She dies leaving two young children, husband, and a grief-stricken following. Rachel has written, We could not become like God, so God became like us. God showed us how to heal instead of kill. How to mend instead of destroy. How to love instead of hate. How to live instead of long for more. When we nailed God to a tree, God forgave. And when we buried God in the ground, God got up. Just before Easter, Mike Gilbertson was talking with me in his hospital room about How grateful he is to have lived the life that he has lived, serving his country, serving his church, his family. Mike and Kathy and I were talking about how there's just nothing like time at the lake and Mike was showing me on his phone pictures of the cabin that he had built. And at that time, just a few weeks ago, Mike was hoping to regain enough strength to be able to get back here to church because he wanted, he he wanted to write down uh, the, the the many ways that he is so grateful to be a part of the community of faith in Christ, how much being a part of this place means to him. That's the thing he wanted to regain his energy enough to be able to do, but, but uh, Mike wasn't able to get there, to be here now, to do just that. Uh, and then... Um, On Monday, this past week, Pastor Natalia brought Mike communion and a blessing. And full of faith and full of courage and and full of good humor, Um, Mike died just later that afternoon. And if not for the resurrection of Jesus, we wouldn't have a whole lot to say about that. Certainly no real reason For hope. But in the same way that Jesus met his disciples on the shore that day, in the breaking of the bread, sharing a meal, in the same way Jesus meets us now, the risen Christ at this table, in the breaking of this bread. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remember? And again after supper, our Lord took the cup and he gave it for all to drink. That is, Peter and Judas and all the rest and all of us. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. It is shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. Remember? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.